I uh, want to share um, about faith today, and so you walking around up there. Sorry. Um, I've got the big Bible, <clears throat> so anything I say today is particularly anointed. Um, just for the record. So I want to challenge all of us with how we can how we think about faith how we define faith, and so I'm, I'm trying to do this in a, in a way that's challenging to all of us, myself included, um, but to do it, I've got to spend a little bit of time differentiating between the way we normally think of faith and the way that I think we should look at faith. So as we go through this, please, when you find yourself, like I did regularly, putting together my notes in the don't think this way category, try not to be offended and rather say, okay, that's me. What do I need to do differently to get myself into the category of how should I think of faith? Okay, so I'm going to try to spend a little bit of time differentiating between where I see myself and most of us thinking of faith and where I think scripture says faith is. Okay, so bear with me a little bit. This isn't going to be terribly linear because uh, I'm just going to go with the Holy Spirit today. And if you know anything about him, he blows like the wind. So rarely ever in a straight line. It's okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. <clears throat> so Hebrews 11.6, that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to go through four passages. They're in different places. So just take a deep breath. All right, deep breath, everybody. Four different passages but they're all in the New Testament, okay? So we're good there. All right, Hebrews 11, 1, and then verse 6. For faith is the certainty of things hoped for, the assurance or conviction of things not seen. The first thing I want to say is faith is not hope. Faith is different than hope. Faith is the certainty of hope. This is really, really important. So where I want to start off today is with a differentiation, and it's the same place we're going to end today. Faith is the certainty of hope. I think most of our faith is actually hope. I don't think we spend most of our Christian life in the realm of faith. I, I think we spend most of our Christian life in the realm of hope. Hope is that which I hope happens. It's something I think will happen. It's something I want to happen. But it's not something I'm certain will happen. Hope is, I hope that someday I have a pony. Faith is, I'm going to preach a sermon today. One is certainty. Another is more desirous. Faith is certainty. The other thing I'm going to tell you right out of the gate is faith is a little bit offensive because it's viewed as presumption. It's viewed sometimes as arrogance. Faith is a little bit offensive. Faith is not hope. That's where I want to start. Faith is the certainty of hope. Now just sock that away. 
In verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. Faith does that. <clears throat> we believe God exists, amen? We, we must also believe that he rewards those who seek him. Do you know what the word rewards means? It's recompense, the verb. You know what recompense, the verb means? How many of you guys? Okay, one guy in the room. Congratulations, I looked it up because I was with everyone else. Recompense means to repay. Repay. Do you know what it means to repay? It means that for a moment you're in debt. I want you to think about this for a second. Faith puts heaven in your debt. Faith puts heaven in your debt. Earnestly seeking God puts God in your debt. That's what it means to reward someone who earnestly seeks him. Is he is being placed in your debt with the promise that he is going to pay you back. That's what faith does. <laughs> Again, to differentiate hope and faith. Hope requests from heaven. Faith demands from heaven. Okay, and I have Bible verses to back it up, so don't worry. We're going to get there in a second. All right. So Hebrews, just hang on to that for a second. Now we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to look at some Bible passages. And the prodigal son shared a little bit about this last week, but I want to give you another little bit different take on the prodigal son. We know the story of the prodigal son, yeah? Prodigal son, two brothers. Younger one comes, says, Dad, uh, you, you've got stuff. Give it to us. And I, I want my inheritance, what's coming to me. So dad divides it between them. The Bible says that. He divides it between them. Younger son, not many days later, takes his stuff and goes off to another country. While there, he wastes it, gets into trouble, realizes, I got to go back to my dad's place, goes back. Dad comes running out, restores him, gives him a robe. He boom, ba ba boom. You're right back where you were when you left. Kills the fatted calf. They have a party. Not the end of the story. Then it goes on that there's an older brother who was faithful all along. He gets mad because, you know, wild younger brother blew everything, comes back, and dad kills the fat calf. They have a party. He's like, dad, what's the deal? I have been here all along serving you. What's the deal? You didn't give me anything to celebrate with my friends. Dad goes, son, everything I have is yours. And it is right that we would celebrate your brother, for he was lost, now is found, he was dead, and now is alive. Son, if it's mine, it's yours. I already split up your inheritance. Why are you waiting for me to die to do something with it? See, the older brother was waiting for his father to give him something that was already in his possession. He could have been partying with his friends all along. And he was waiting. See, I, I think the prodigal son could be renamed as the story of two brothers, neither of whom knew their father. Because the younger brother knew 
the father was generous and good, and that if he asked his father for his inheritance before dad died, he'd give it. But what he didn't know was that there's a better life in the father's house than there is outside the father's house. And he took it and he tried to make his own way. But you know what? At least he knew his father's generosity and goodness. The older brother, he was a servant. He was a workhorse. He was faithful and steadfast. But he didn't realize the goodness of his father. And so he never took advantage of all the resources that belonged to him because he thought he had to wait till his dad died before he could get him. And he squandered his resources just as bad as his younger brother did. Because he didn't believe and have faith in his father's goodness to take possession and do something with him. I think the younger brother was actually closer to where we should be than the older brother. He actually believed his father was good and generous. And he took possession of the inheritance that was rightfully his. He didn't use it right but at least he knew his father was good. The older brother didn't realize that. See, faith, to get it right, requires that we know the God in whom we believe. And we know about him. And we know how he does things. And we know his personality and his ways. Hope doesn't require that. Hope goes... Gee, God, I hope you do this. Your call. Faith says, God, I know you, and because I know you, you're going to do this. And it acts because of the one in whom we have faith. Canaanite woman, okay? Demonstration number one. We're going to get Canaanite woman, and then we're going to get Mary and Martha. The Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, if you've got your Bible, check it out. This is a great story. Matthew 15, New Testament. Told you guys we're staying in the NT, baby. New Testament, chapter 15. Here we go. You guys know this story? One of the great stories in the Bible. If you don't know it, Matthew 15, 21, okay? Read this one. It's great. This whole message, I'm not going to give you all the answers. I'm going to give you a lot of questions, and I'm going to challenge the way that you're thinking, and I'm going to force you to get into the Scripture and get before God and find out if what I'm saying is true or not. All right? I'm not just going to tell you the way it is. You've got to to get there and hear it from him yourself. Faith of a Canaanite woman, okay? So Jesus, he's in uh, this district, Tyre and Sidon, and a Canaanite woman from that region came out, and she's crying. A Canaanite woman is a pagan living in this area, okay? She is not Jewish. She is not religious. She is pagan. She's like the antithesis of whom Jesus came for. Who did Jesus come for initially? The Israelites, right? Remember when he sends out the disciples, he tells them just go into the tribes of Israel. So Jesus' primary mission is only to the Israelites. It's only later in God's plan that the apostles will take it to the Gentiles. This is one of the Gentiles. She shows up, and she's crying. She says, have mercy on me. My daughter is oppressed by a demon, and he doesn't answer her a word. And then the disciples come and beg him, saying, (laughs) 
sent her away, for she's crying out after us. <laughs> Come on. This lady's annoying. Okay? She's a pagan. She comes to Jesus. He's like, it's not, it's not my call. It's not where I'm going. I'm the lost tribes of Israel. You're a pagan. She's so annoying. Then she goes to the disciples. Please. They come back begging Jesus. This lady's got to be something else, right? Come on, Lord. Look at her. Look, she's a train wreck. She won't leave us alone. Just send her away. And so he says, guys, I'm only sent to the lost the house of Israel. She overhears it and comes and says, Lord, help me. He says, listen, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. Okay? It's not right for me to take their bread and throw it to the dogs. You're a Gentile. You're not one of them. I can't do that. And she turns back and turns it back to Jesus and says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs will eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This isn't about me being a dog. This is about you being the master of the dogs even. And if the children can have the bread, then I can have the bread too. And Jesus goes, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. You know, what I, you know what I call this story? This is Matthew 15, 21. The story of the woman who corrected Jesus. This woman looks at Jesus and says, I don't care if I'm a dog. It's not about me. It's about the master. And the master gives bread to anyone who belongs in the house, children or canine alike, it doesn't matter. Give me what is from the master's table. And Jesus goes, you nailed it. This wasn't meant for my time. The Gentiles weren't meant to receive of the kingdom during Jesus' life. She changed his whole plan. She corrected Jesus' course And her demand on heaven because of who the master is changed history for her family. She didn't hope. She demanded in faith, not because of who she was, but because of who he was. See, arrogance thinks that we have access to these things of God and that we can be so bold because of who we are. That's arrogance. True humility acknowledges it doesn't matter who I am. It matters who you are, Master. And because I know who you are, I'm going to do something that's going to force you to act because of who you are, because you cannot deny who you are. Hope requests, faith demands. Faith is a step, an act that puts heaven in debt and forces God to act 
because of who he is, not because of who we are. Mary and Martha. You guys ready for this one? NT again. All right. How many of you guys know the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead in John 11? Okay, this is one of my favorite, good job, Davey. One of my favorite passages again, all right, but it's one I've, honestly, I've struggled with for years. Because if you read it, you're, you're, you're confronted with Mary and Martha going and asking Jesus, they're saying the same thing. Why does Martha get a theological answer and Mary get a resurrection? You guys looked at this? So I'm going through this today, and I'm putting through my notes this morning, and I'm, I'm typing them in, and I'm trying to come up with the biblical example that shows the differentiation between hope and real faith. And I can think of a lot of personal ones, but I'm going, for it to be legitimate, i got to find it in the Bible. I, don't you hate that? You know, I've got this idea, Lord, and I really want to run with it, but you yoke me to Scripture. No, I'm kidding. It's got to be in the Scripture, Okay. And the only one I could think of was Mary and Martha. And I'm like, I've read this a hundred times to try to figure this out. And I cannot figure it out. Why did Martha get the theological response and Mary get the resurrection? You guys know the story? All right. So, hang on. I'll give it to you here. You guys know this one? Lazarus dies. Jesus shows up. He's late. When you're walking in faith, time doesn't matter, right? It doesn't have to. Do what he wants. So he's dead. He's been dead. Jesus gets there. He's late to the party. Martha hears that he's coming, goes out, meets him, and Mary stays in the house. Martha says to Jesus, Martha says to Jesus, ready? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Remember that. Next verse, she says, But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Okay? Is that not our prayer life? Come on. When I'm praying for something, is that not my prayer life? Somebody needs healing. We're praying for healing. Do we not say, God, if you want to do this, you could do this. But even now I know that whatever you want to do, you will do it. That's what she's saying. She's saying my prayer life here. Right? Come on. You could do this, Jesus. Right? We all know that Jesus could do this, yeah? You could do this, Jesus. If you'd been here, this never would have happened. You'd have healed him. But even now I know, Lord, that whatever you want to do, God will do it my prayer life, okay? So Jesus gives her this amazing theological answer. I am the resurrection and the life, right? We got this one on billboards. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. And off she goes. She got a theological answer. Right? Brother's dead. Goes back to Mary and she's like, <laughs> he's calling for you. He wasn't. 
But she knew Mary had something she didn't. Martha, you remember what her response was? What was her question to Jesus? You remember this? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Thy will be done, Lord. So Mary, she goes out. She falls at his feet and she says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You recognize that? You recognize that? Period. There's no tagline that says, but even now I know, Lord, whatever your will is, your will be done. Mary is walking in faith. Martha's walking in hope. Martha's seen enough of Jesus to know that she can hope that he'll heal someone on her behalf. But Mary has sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary has known Jesus so intimately that she knows when he's there, sickness is not allowed. Death does not occur. So Mary doesn't tag on the hopeful tagline that Martha did. She just comes out and he says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Period. I know you. And if you had been here, my brother never would have died. You're here now, Lord, is the insinuation. Go get him up. Jesus' response to Martha is that he's moved with compassion. Faith puts God in debt to us. That's what faith does. It pulls God into our story and our experience. Martha hoped that Jesus' will would be such that he would heal. Mary had faith and knew that he was Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Martha hoped for healing. Mary had faith for healing. Martha's hope got a theological response. Mary's faith got a resurrected brother. Do you see the difference? Faith is dangerous. It's scary. It's not safe at all. Hope is safe. When we pray, you guys, a lot of times when I get up and I do the little prayer intro, I just want to ask, will someone pray something that requires a response from heaven? We pray so often in, faith, in hope, but so rarely in faith. Hope says, God, I want you to do this, and I hope it's your will to do this, and if it's your will, you'll do this, and I know you can do this, so please do this. And because he's good, he often responds to our prayer, even when it's only prayed in hope. But what he intends for us, in what all of Hebrews 11 is written about, are those who acted and prayed and lived in faith. Faith knows God. It knows who he is and the way that he is. And it puts his name and his reputation on the line. And faith makes God indebted to you and requires that he step into your situation and act on your behalf. 
That's the difference between hope and faith. True faith is when we actually know who God is. You can't have true faith if you don't know who he is. You can't. It's all just hope. Faith requires a knowledge of the one in whom you believe. You've got to know what he's like. If you don't know that he's Jehovah Rapha, you can't very, that's the God who heals. You can't very well pray for someone else for healing with confidence if you don't know that that's who God is. But it's his name. I had, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I had this interesting thought this morning. You guys, if you guys have been around Christian circles for very long, you know that Jehovah Jireh. You ever heard of that? Jehovah Jireh, he's the God who provides, right? Okay, we're in a Christian setting. Okay, Jehovah Jireh, he's the God who provides. How many of you guys would question? If someone comes to you and they're like, man, I'm in a tight spot here. How many of you guys, as Christians, who have maybe, you know, been a Christian for a few years, would for a second question whether or not God provides? You guys have seen God's provision how many times in your lives? Dozens, right? Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, that's his name. You'd say that. He's the God who provides. That's his name. He has to provide. He's going to provide. Don't even worry about it. And sometimes when you're on the receiving end of someone's counsel like that, you're kind of offended. You're like, dude, don't you even take me seriously? Like, I'm in dire straits here. I mean, I got bills to pay and I don't have any money. And they're like, he's Jehovah Jireh, man. He's God who provides. He's I can tell you a dozen stories of my life and look around this room and there's dozens of stories. He provides. It's who he is. It's his name, Jehovah Jireh. And then they go, okay. And then they experience it for themselves and they're like, he is Jehovah Jireh. That's who he is. It's great. Okay, if I come over here and I go, Jehovah Rapha, he's the God who heals. How many of you guys, without a second's hesitation, would go, absolutely, he's going to heal every time, just like he does provide. The number of hands up in the air just go down significantly, right? Even though it's his name, we don't have that same level of confidence because we don't know him truly, intimately as the God who heals. But that's who he is. See, we look at the scripture and we find the exceptions to that rule and we say, well, he's not the God who heals all the time. He's, he's like Jehovah Rapha part-time. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. If he doesn't, there is a weird exception going on, just like him of Jireh. But we don't know him at that same level. We don't know him in that same way that we've allowed him to show himself to us on the Jehovah Jireh side. You have to know him to truly have faith fully in who he is to truly walk in faith as he would have you walk. The last thing I want to point out here is called the leaven of the Pharisees. And it comes up in a couple times, Mark 8, and again in, it's Matthew right after he feeds the 4,000. Here's what happens. He sees this crowd, right? You guys know the story of the feeding of the 4,000, the 5,000, okay? Feeds the 4,000 with some loaves and fish, right? We know the story. Gets blown across, you know, they, they go across the lake. And this is after the fact. And Jesus looks at the disciples and goes, did you bring bread? And they're like, oh, son of a gun, I forgot the bread. Pete, 
Where were you? There were 12 extra loaves. Baskets full of them. What'd you do? I left them on the shore. You didn't grab them? I didn't grab them. Yeah, now we got to go tell the miracle worker. Yeah, we forgot the bread again. And he's like, why are you talking about bread? Did you not just see? Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. The leaven of the Pharisees is, it goes back into Matthew 23 when Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees and he talks about your fathers, the Pharisees' fathers and where they came from. And he points them back to the Israelites who killed the prophets. These folks over and over and over through the Old Testament, I know I said we were going to stay in the New, but the scripture's in the New. I'm just referring to the Old, so don't get too hung up on that. All right, so he, he, he's, he's rebuking them for being like their fathers who in the Old Testament saw God work over and over and over and over, but never remembered it and allowed it to change the way they saw him and therefore interacted with him. They would see God do a miracle in the Old Testament and then they'd go on to the same thing over again and ask him to do the same miracle because they didn't have faith that I did this miracle here, I'm going to do it again because it's who I am. The leaven of the Pharisees is when we see the miraculous and it doesn't change our normal view of God. It's like the one who gets provided for and doesn't go, yes, he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who always provides. You, you don't have to know all these things about God on your first day. But when he shows himself to you as the God who provides, it has to change your normal as to how you view him. So before he provides for you, you don't know him experientially as the God who provides, do you? You don't. I'm just going to answer it for you. You don't know He's the God who provides because he's never done that for you. You believe he is, you hope he is, but you don't know it until he provides for you. Then you know it. So your normal view of God must change and therefore say he is the God who provides for me. Going forward, he will always provide for me. I didn't know that a week ago, but I know that today my normal changed. That's the leaven of the kingdom. Leaven of the Pharisees is where your normal view of God doesn't change despite you seeing the miraculous in your life over and over and over. And the dangerous thing about leaven and the leaven of the Pharisees is it spreads horribly and it leavens loaves quickly. And Jesus warns the disciples against this kind of leaven. He says, when you see the miraculous, guys, I provided for a crowd of 4,000 with a, with a few fish and some loaves. Your normal view of me better change. If we're in the boat 20 minutes later and you're worried about bread again, your normal didn't change. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. That's the way they are. You're not like them. You have the leaven of the kingdom. That means when you see me do this, know that that's who I am and have your normal change, that I am the provider I can feed thousands with a few fish and a few loaves of bread. That better become your normal. So the warning to us is that when we see God act and we see the miraculous, our normal view of him has to change. That's how our faith grows over the course of time. We become more confident and more certain that he is who he says he is. We're not timid in our prayer life. God, I hope you'll do this. 
we become certain, God, I know you'll do this. The disciples had such an experience with this that through their lives, you do not see them asking God for healing or deliverance for those they're ministering to. They didn't have to ask him anymore because their confidence in his desire to heal and deliver was so great and their awareness that he had given them the authority to do it themselves was so great that they just healed and they just delivered. They didn't ask. Peter and John at the gate beautiful, they didn't walk up and say, God, I hope you'll give this guy the ability to walk because I don't have any money. They said, get up in the name of Jesus and walk. Your faith changes and grows as your normal view of God changes and grows. Okay, so now I'm going to wrap it. Hope is different than faith. Hope is when you ask God and say, gee, I hope you'll do this, but it's really your will. Your call, Lord, do what you want to do. Is basically, it's, this is going to sound really mean, but since I've prayed this way, I'm just going to call it for what it is, and I'll feel bad about it later. It's a cop-out. We're just saying, God, I just hope you'll do this. Faith says, God, I know who you are, and you're going to do this. So my prayer changes. The way that I pray changes. Okay, I'm going to add something here in the closing. Faith does not deny the reality of a circumstance. Jesus never denied that Lazarus was dead. Faith doesn't pretend, but it doesn't give circumstance power. Faith does not deny the reality of the circumstance. If you're denying the reality of the circumstance, you're missing the whole thing. You can't be forgiven for a sin you haven't confessed. If you just come to God and you're like, hey, thanks for the forgiveness. I didn't really need it. You're not forgiveness. You're not forgiven. Faith says, I sinned, but you forgive. So I'm coming to get it. Thank you, Lord. And you experience the feeling of forgiveness. But you can't receive forgiveness if you haven't acknowledged the reality of your sin. You can't receive healing if you don't acknowledge the reality of your sickness. You can't come to God and say, God, you heal me. I'm not sick, but you can heal me. We're lying. That's not honest. Faith acknowledges the reality of the situation and yet knows with absolute certainty in things hoped for that he will intervene in that situation and that when I pray, I pull the reality of heaven into my situation now and it changes. Faith doesn't deny present situation. It just doesn't allow it to be powerful. It knows that heaven and God's kingdom is more powerful than the current situation. Okay, so faith is different than hope. It's okay to hope. I have lots of things that I hope for, right? But because I don't know for sure if God wants to do it, I'm still hoping. When I see it in his scripture, or he speaks to me and says, I'm going to do this, I stop hoping, and now I have faith. I'm not just going, gee, I hope, I hope this happens, Lord. He speaks. If my normal doesn't change, I know he's going to do it now. Now I have faith. Now I believe it, 
and I put heaven in debt, now he's got to do it. Come on. Faith is not the same as hope. Faith demands. Faith doesn't deny the reality of the current situation. But it denies it, its power. And has a greater confidence in the ability of God in heaven to change the present situation for the better. The last thing is beware the leaven of the Pharisees. When God acts, your normal view of him has to change. Okay, this is really important for those of us who've been around the church for a long time. When we seek God in a situation and he moves, our view and our normal has to change. It's a requirement or we start going the wrong direction. So when God acts on your behalf, you're in danger at that moment. Because if you choose to go on thinking like you've always thought and your view of him doesn't change and grow and become more lofty, you're going down the wrong road really quickly. So when we see God act, we have a responsibility to change our normal and say, this is who he is, this is how he is, and this is what I'm going to expect going forward. That's what faith is, and that's what pleases God. That's the amazing thing about that Hebrews passage. Without this, it is impossible to please him. Do you ever realize that hope doesn't actually please him? Faith does. It's kind of funny, isn't it? We come to God and we go, whatever you want to do, God, as though that's what he's looking for. Well, thanks, son. I'll just think it through and I'll make my decision. Thanks for leaving it to me. There's not a lot of certainty about who he is and the greatness of his goodness in a request like that, is there? Faith pleases him, though, because it acknowledges who he is and says, I know who you are, God. I know who you are, Father. You're good. You're going to do this. And he goes, wow, thank you. You read through the New Testament, it's always when people demanded something of Jesus that he got the most excited. Listen, I'm not a good father necessarily. I mean, you know, Jesus said that. He's like, you're all terrible fathers. But if you who are bad, you know, can give good gifts, right? We know that story. So I can tell you from my limited experience that when my son comes and I've got something, let's say, you know, it's a lollipop or whatever it might be, and my son comes up, he goes, Dad, can I have something? Can I have a, can I have a lollipop? It's nice and it's polite and it's clean and it's neat. Sure, son, you can have a lollipop. Here you go. But when my son comes up and goes, Dad, give me your lollipop, there's something in me that just explodes with joy because my son knows that I'm good and that I want him to have what I have. It violates my boundaries. That's my lollipop. I had plans for that lollipop. And he comes and he's took it. But he knew he could come and take it because his father is good. And it brings such joy to my heart that my son realizes that his father is good and he can come and cross all my boundaries and take it for himself and do with it as he pleases. 
God, faith is so offensive. It's so offensive. This story of the Canaanite woman is one of the most offensive in Scripture. Not only because Jesus called her a dog, because he had every reason and right to send her away. The apostles knew it. He knew it. This was not the calling. And yet the demands of a pagan woman rejoiced the heart of God such that he gave her what, he was at, what she was asking for. Lord, that we would have such faith. Worship team, you come back up. I'm going to close in prayer. It's challenging, huh? I hope so. I hope, at least when I put this together, I was pretty offended at my own unwillingness to walk in faith because hope is so safe and it's so polite. And I'm always so conscious of being honoring and respecting of God. I'm so polite with my father and yet I feel like what he wants from us is that childlike faith that just plows into the throne room and says, God, you have healing. It's because of who you are. You are Jehovah Rapha. I'm taking that with me. You have deliverance. You are God the deliverer. I'm taking that with me. I've been in bondage to this for so long, and I've prayed, hopefully, for so long. And today, I'm going to run in in faith, and I'm going to lay hold of who you are and the resources you possess, and I'm going to make them my own. God, give us an offensive faith. A confidence in who you are, not in who we are. Because we know your great goodness. We know your great mercy, your great love, your great compassion. Give us a faith that's confident and certain in the things we hope for. Not because of who we are or because of the circumstance we're in, but because of who you are. That you are the great master. And though we be but dogs at your table, we get all the resources of the master's house. Father, we love you and we thank you for being called into this life of faith. We love you, Lord. So the worship team is going to go ahead and play. If, if you find yourself aware that you've been hoping and praying in hope for something for a long time and you feel God's trying to push you to pray in faith, just grab someone and have them pray for you. And if you're praying for someone today, Please don't pray a polite prayer. Don't pray a hopeful prayer. Pray a prayer of faith based on who God is that requires him to act.